cue motivational music. Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name's Dean and I'm a designer on a quest. A quest to further understand the creative industry and learn as much as this noggin will hold. Join me as I share my discoveries and tap into the minds of some of the most well-respected creatives in the world. This is my creative therapy. Hello and welcome to episode 13. So today I'm joined by former combat photographer, now surf enthusiast, Matt Howe. In this episode, we chat about Matt's time within the Marines and how he went from documenting life within the Corps to focusing on his newfound love for surf photography. We talk about how smartphone camera technology compares to traditional camera equipment. And we also somehow talk about the controversial issues surrounding Michael Jackson and R. Kelly. No idea how. Whereabouts are you in the world now, then? Uh, Austin, Texas. Nice. So what time of day is it there? Uh, it's about one o'clock. Cool. So is it is it been a busy morning for you, or is it fairly chill? It's been a relaxing Sunday. I've been kind of taking it easy after uh, filming my documentary last week. Nice, man. What was that about? So there's a whole group of surfers that have only ever learned how to surf on man-made waves. They've never surfed in the ocean. So it's basically taking this group and bringing them to the ocean and also kind of viewing, taking part of uh, how ocean view, uh, surfer view, view them. So what, what are you going to yeah. do with the, the end product? Are you, uh... I'm going to send it to a few film festivals. Yeah, cool. So is it like mm-hmm. a, a, short, a short film? Yeah, it's gonna be a short one. Uh, I'm probably think it's gonna be no more than twenty minutes long. I'm pretty excited for it. Like, this is like my baby going on right now. It's the first first thing I've directed in a while. Man, that, that that's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, I hope you don't mind, but I'm recording now. Is that is that cool? Oh, that's all fun. Yeah. Awesome, man. Sweet. So yeah, if if you don't mind, I mean, yeah, thanks so much for joining. It's great pleasure to to have you on. I've seen your work through Instagram and. I've had a, a cheeky peek at your LinkedIn account, and it seems like you've been doing some awesome stuff. So if I'm not mistaken, you studied at the New England School of Communications, is that right? Uh, no, I, uh, that was the school before I joined the Marines. Ah, I call that okay. video school. So I'm in film school now at the University of Texas in Austin. Ah, okay. So the, the Marine thing, was that, the, was that the, the first thing that you did straight out of college or...? Well, not technically. I I was looking for work right out of college, and the only job I really could find was filming dance recitals, and I hated it. (laughs) So that's how the Marines basically got me, was I was basically picking up my cousin, who just got a boot camp from the recruiters, and I kind of knew him from, like, my other cousin who worked there, and they were just talking to me about work, and then, like, oh, well, you know, the Marine Corps has their own photographers and videographers, and I was like, sign me up then. That's awesome. So did you have to go through the same training process as the... Yeah. So we go through boot camp, combat training, just like all the other Marines. And then that's when you go to your special job school. So I went to Fort Meade, Maryland, uh, where they basically teach all the branches how to how do you photography, video, and graphic design. So it's a bit strange that they have to do the same rigorous sort of training exercises as those who are... Well, actually, no, it's not... It's not strange because if you're out there with those guys, then you need to learn just as much as, as they do, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the mindset. They want you to be able to, you know, how 
know how all the Marine Corps works and if mm. something goes down, be able to hold your own. That's awesome. So was it a, uh, I mean, I only know of the the exercise that the Marines do in the UK and that's a 30, I think it's 32 week in, intensive course. And then after the 32 weeks, you do your green berry, but the, the last, uh, the last sort of thing that you've got to do to get your green barrier is I think walk 30 miles across like we call it Dartmoor in the southwest of the UK and it's like just open fields and they've got trudge through it with their you know their rifles their bags their kit and all sorts is that similar to what you had to do no uh that's something infantry and special forces would have to do ah. um for me I like when I went to like combat training, it's for people who are not really in those combat roles as much. Okay. And so I did kind of a lighter version where we just had to hike like 12 miles. Ah, uh, still. Like full load. Yeah, it's still a lot, but by that point, you've been hiking so much, you're used to it. All right. Are you still managing to maintain that fitness at the minute then? I try to. I do a lot of rock climbing and the surfing really keeps my cardio up. So how long were you uh, photographing for the what's the what's the correct terminology so you were a photographer within the marines how long were you yeah. how long were you doing that for uh five years five years wow yeah so you yeah did you tour uh not really uh my first unit was non-deployable so they couldn't really send me anywhere so i did a lot of training snows with the united states and eventually i got good enough where i could like they wanted to keep me in so they asked me where i want to go and they i was like i want to go to a deployable unit Hmm. So they sent me to First Marine Division, where they then sent me to Colombia and Singapore. Wow. How long were you there for? Colombia and Singapore, uh, not that long, like a couple months in both places. Singapore's like a different ball game, isn't it? Isn't it? On the other side, of, I mean, my <laughs> geography isn't great, but... Yeah, it's very different. It was very funny, too, because I went to Colombia first, and then I got off the, when I came back, I got off the plane, and one of my sergeants picked me up. He's like, don't unpack, you're going to Singapore, like, in three days <laughs> and so it was very weird i was going from like this very third world country to to like a place where everyone's millionaires mm. like to register your car costs like 40 grand in singapore like that's just like a pint of beer costs like 20 bucks yeah it's that's insane yeah. it's crazy i hear there's um is there a is it a tax haven is there a tax haven in singapore or is that just in places like dubai and those sorts of places. Oh, I'm, I'm not, not sure. Too I sure. Like yeah. everything's taxed out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a I have a friend who lives out in Singapore, and some of the pictures that I see him put online, it just looks like he's living a life of Riley. A, a great time. Looks looks beautiful, yeah. but it's so beautiful, just expensive. Is like it? I remember we were like me and some of the Marines were in a, like a subway, and we got off in this stop, and it was just like we wound up in this underground mall but it felt like we needed a credit check just to be there there were selling things like <laughs> a cell phone just for your ferrari wow so <laughs> when you were when you were going through college and stuff what was it that made you decide that you wanted to do photography and you know in such a well i don't want to call it a battlefield but what what made you want to go into the marines to do photography it was the adventure like mm. i'm I get pretty bored taking like photos of the same thing or documenting the same thing over and over. And so with the Marines being a photographer, like one day I could be taking photos of a helicopter, like, like flying in helicopters with the crew and everything. The next day I could be out on a boat with special forces, just like documenting them, like raiding the boat. 
Like every day was a new adventure. And I just love that. And like when I was told that, like, oh, you can do this and like nothing's going to be pretty much the same. I was just like, sign me up. I don't like, I don't like um, staying in the same place for too long. Mm. I know what you mean. So how, what age were you then when, when you decided to do this? Ooh, I, I would say about 22 was when I joined the Marines. Wow. So I was a little bit older than most people. Most people joined like right out of high school. Like I, at my schoolhouse where I learned photography, we had people who were 17. Jesus. Yeah. When I, um, I went through a stage before I started uni where I was considering the Marines in the UK and I went to this place where they sort of did the same training that they did in the PRMC. I'm not sure if that's, if the PRMC is similar to where you studied at or wherever, but they basically, it's a, I think it stands for Potential Rural Marine Commando. And Mm -hmm. it's a, it's just a a test to see if you're fit enough to even do the 32 week training course. And Mm -hmm. I was, I was dabbling in the idea of maybe joining and stuff. And me and my friend were like, we'll just go, we'll just go along. We'll just see how it goes. So I went for about three weeks and every session that I had, I threw up the, the training was just in insane, like on a level that I've never experienced before. And I just, I just wimped out and I was like, no, I can't, I can't do this. I've, I've got to go to uni instead, but there's a part of me that wants to sort of go back, but you, you have the Marines and then you have the Marine, Marine reserves as well. Don't you, whether you can, you can do it part time. Uh, yeah, that's what my cousin did. He, he decided I'd rather do two week at, like, it's basically a weekend a month, two, two weeks a year. Mm. And so that's what he did for, I want to say like seven years. But he had to drive like several states over oh just God. to be able to like, yeah. He, he, like, I think it was like about 300 miles every every time he had to go to his base. So I was like, I'd rather just be stationed on my base because for, for also, they don't have, um, at the time, you couldn't be a combat photographer in the reserves. You had to be active duty. Ah, okay. I'm with you. That, that makes sense. So how did you sort of transition from, you know, wanted to be a photograph uh wanted to be a photographer in the marines to uh, taking awesome images of you know people surfing and surf stuff it, it kind of just happened so i had just i had just moved to texas for i was like here for not even a year yet and i was just itching to surf and one of the reasons i picked austin was that they were building a surf park in the uh inland uh, and i was like it's too expensive for me to surf. It was like $100 an hour. And I was like, I can't afford that. So I applied to get a job and I got one as a lifeguard and a surf coach. Mm. And I just noticed that their photographer wouldn't get in the water. Like he had an underwater case for it, but he just never got in the water. He would always oh. shoot from far away. And I was like, dude, you got to get closer. That's like the shots people want to see. And he's like, I don't want to do that. So I remember just one day going on B&H, looking at underwater cases and I just bought one. And then I just, like, as soon as it came in the mail, I just went to work, went in the water and started taking photos. And there were just, like, so many photos they had never seen before at that place. So then they were just like, no, we'll let you do this if, you, if we can share your photos. And I was like, deal. That's a, that's a good gig. That's mm-hmm. really, so do you surf yourself? or? Yeah, I, uh, I don't do as much as I want to now, just because most of the time I'm, I'm documenting people surfing. But I've been surfing... Uh, for about seven years now. Awesome. How have you found the the learning process? Because I've tried before and 
my word, it was just, it was insane, insanely hard. It, it can be. Uh, like, luckily I got, I was being, I was able to get it pretty quickly. Like the first wave I stood up, mm. like for like three seconds and I just completely nosedived. But I've always had good balance. I played ice hockey, I longboard. So it was pretty good to transition into it. And it was just repetition. I used to start, I just would go after work every day and just get a little bit better, 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 and better. Mm. And then once I worked at Inland, where you have more of a consistency of the waves, that's when I really started skyrocketing in my surfing, especially since you have just like a whole group of other surf coaches out there. And they will just point all these little things out that you would never have known. Yeah, totally. So what are you surfing on at the minute then? Is it, uh, I want to say a foamy. Is that, is that the right is that the right word? Uh, or is that yeah, beginners? So they're usually beginners, but at inland, you can only surf uh, on foamies on like most of the waves, unless you surf the big one. Um, so I'll surf on a foamy, but on the ocean, I surf on hardtops. Ah, just because okay. you have a little bit more control. Um, you can; It's easier to paddle out into the ocean with them. Mm. Yeah, I, I was when I was looking into getting into surfing, I was, I was getting... Um, People were saying, oh, yeah, you want to get a foamy, stay on that for around about six weeks. And I just remember when I was younger and I tried it and I just couldn't even stand on the board. It was just, it was just silly. It was just super hard. But well, I mean, I, I have a, um, a friend on Instagram who surfs and he has like a little GoPro and he sticks it at the front of his surfboard and stuff. That looks mm. awesome. That looks cool. Yeah. Uh, I love the GoPro shots. Mm. Like there's... There, it's crazy because there's another, another surf park here in Texas called BSR up in Waco, and the professionals uh, actually train there. U.S. Olympic surf team actually trains there, and it's just so funny because I see GoPro now uses their footage in their commercials because oh, no. it's such a very distinct area, and I'm just like, that's so crazy that like these people, like GoPro, like as soon as it was built, GoPro was just taking all that footage from them. Too right. Is um is there a piece of equipment that you use like exclusively, or are you quite open to? hardware and stuff uh for photography i mainly use my 5d mark three mm -hmm. uh canon it's just that's the camera i uh i've been using all throughout my military career and now it's just like my baby yeah uh, when i do film i use a, a red helium just because you know you get that really great 8k footage mm. the blacks just come out so like dark and crisp and the colors just really pop yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, some of the images that are on your Instagram just look insanely high quality. I'm guessing, you know, you, you get what you pay for. <laughs> and, um... Yeah, I like paid, like I bought, I pre-ordered that camera and it hasn't let me down. Like that was the top of the line camera at the time and it's still going strong. I was looking into, because I, I want to get into photography and I need a new phone at the same time. And I was trying to sort of kill two birds with one stone and looking at different phones with, with decent cameras on and stuff. And I was looking at the iPhone and stuff. Do you think there'll ever be a point where the cameras on phones will ever come anywhere near the, the cameras that you can buy, you know, as a whole, like an actual camera? I, I would say no, mainly because you can, you can spend a lot of money on a good camera body, but it really comes down to the lens. Like if anyone who ever wants to start on photography, I say invest in lenses first because that technology will never change. Like you can always upgrade a camera body, but you really can't upgrade a lens once you've purchased it. So if you have great lenses, that's where you will like really start to see like amazing photographs. Like I pay probably more for a lens than I ever will for a camera body. 
it's such expensive pieces of equipment as well isn't it but yeah you, i guess you get what you pay for but um yeah go, going back to the the whole military side of things is there a part of you that would like to get back into that scene yes i almost every day i kind of i miss the work mm. i just miss being out in the field just like with marines documenting them doing like just living their lives but then there was just like right now with like like the war is kind of settling down dying they're not doing that much and in the marines they call it like peacetime they call it wartime where like they just try to find things to do and it's just not a good time to be in the marines because they call it basically playing games where they just just mess with marines like yeah spend time it sounds like a super safe time to be in the marines like if you ever wanted to go in the marines but you didn't want to be in combat maybe now's the time to to jump on that yeah, but it's like that movie, um, oh, he was in Biodome, and like, but he like, in like, in the army now, I think, but he like joined in peacetime, and right after he joined, like, the the army was like, hey, we're going to war. Like, any time, like, we can go to war. I would never say, tell someone, like, yeah, it's peacetime, you should join now, because at any point, they could be like, hey, we're, we're going to war with this country, and you're going to be in the front lines. Totally. I've seen a, um, an awesome documentary on Netflix. I think it was called, like, um, McCullen or something, and it was basically shot around the, the famous photographer. I think his name's Don McCullen. He was, like, a famous war photographer. And, yeah, just watching his story and seeing him being in amongst that sort of that live action, it must be terrifying but at the same time it must be like no other adrenaline you you get from anything else and just just that alone just experiencing that and then sort of leaving that scene completely and then i guess it's the same with sort of all types of work within the military you know when when you leave that environment it's kind of like a bit of a shock to the system yeah like every time i've ever got that adrenaline rush for anything it's 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 kind of a, a withdrawal when you come back. It just everything is like slow, is it? And it's kind of a little bit more boring. So some people have a lot more hard times with it. I know a lot of people who just want to go back to deployments because they just miss it so much. Like yeah. I remember, like one of my favorite times was uh, my base was on fire, and wow. I had to like take document. And I remember just like me and one someone else was driving through the fire, documenting all these places that were burning. And it was just like a high, like you're just like any point, like we could get trapped in here, but like I'm getting some of the best photos I've ever had. <laughs> and once like, we were just like laughing about it. I remember at one point we were just having a picnic and ash was falling on us. Like the fire was like right across the street and you just kind of get used to this danger and you love it. But once you come back, like it's just everything just almost stands still well they kind of joke about it don't they you you often see in like documentaries where they joke about going from being in live action to pulling pushing a trolley around in tesco or whatever the 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 mainstream supermarkets are over in the u.s um it's one of those that they train you to uh to deal with like conflict uh and, and you know being in battle and they prepare you mentally but i guess when you come back there's not a great deal of support there that's that's the impression that i kind of get that you know they they kind of they're they're more than happy for you to sign up and be deployed but they're not so you know understanding and supportive when you come back and you're put back in natural surroundings is that what you found 
Yeah, a little bit. It depends, I think, on your area. Because we do have the VA, which does help. But certain VAs are just horrible, where people just can't get treatment. Um, Luckily, there's, like, all these little outreach programs. And, like, I know just, like, Marines in general make, like, they have, like, Facebook groups that you can join. Like, just so you can kind of, like, talk to other Marines. And, like, we're basically a support system for ourselves. So like I'm part of one group and then I know that like if anyone's like having problems like with like mental health and they're like having suicidal thoughts, like we will like find someone who lives in that area to talk to you mm. and come to you. Yeah, and there must be tons of sort of support groups out there for those guys dealing with all sorts of things. Uh, going back to the, the, the surf, uh, photography have you thought about doing any sort of paid promotion or anything or is that something that you've done already or are maybe considering uh i i do charge people for it i think last summer was the first time i did it mm. um just i wasn't telling my the surf park i was working at just because they wanted everyone to do it for free but a lot of my regulars just felt really bad like getting all these like really great photos for free so they started just like paying me a little bit here and there um and then when I went up to Waco, it was like, Waco was just like, yeah, if you want to sell your photos here, you can. So I go up there a lot more to take photos. What, what about paid promotion on sort of like social media? You know, when you, uh, you can promote a post or you can boost it. Uh, have, have you thought about doing that or have you tried it before? I've never tried it. I've never really heard too much about that. I'm kind of more of a word of mouth type person. Yeah. Like I'll show up to the area, I'll take as many photos as I can, I'll hand out my business card to people. Mm. And if they want to like, I'll send them like, you know, like, hey, here's a, here's a little, here's a sample of the photos I have with my like, watermark over. If you want some, you can pay me. But I've never done the pay for promotion. Yeah, I know what you mean. There's something quite nice and organic like about mm-hmm. meeting people in person, you know, exchanging business cards. And yeah, I mean, I, I see it all the time that I see people uh, are trying to, boost or promote a certain post that they put on instagram or facebook and stuff and they spend you know thousands and thousands to reach who they think you know is is their their audience and they just end up missing them completely and just end up wasting all their money but i guess it's a it's hit and miss really i've tried before but i'm not really not really a fan yeah i've seen some people do it especially in film school where people are trying to promote their movie or you know send like promote like a kickstarter so they can get money and they'll pay like a lot of money to you know have that like a you know buzzing mm. like be the top thing people see but then people don't put money into it so they kind of like lost out on money they could have been putting towards their film yeah i am um, there's a there was a um, well i don't know whether it's a myth or a rumor or, or whatever but they were saying a while back that facebook actually create a a load of bots uh within their sort of like framework or whatever and when you are using the the settings before you publish an advert you can target which people you want you know it's it's really sort of in-depth detail into into their lives you can basically say if not in these sort of words but you can say i want to target someone who mentioned the word barbecue to their friend because i'm selling barbecues and obviously whatsapp instagram facebook are all connected and there was a a myth a while back that facebook was creating all these bots these fake accounts and when people like the average joe like me would put a post out and they would pay for it then all these fake accounts would like it and engage with it and i remember i was i was i made an uh 
a mobile app a few years ago and I did that and I got some paid promotion and stuff and it said pay 10 pound and you'll reach 300 and so people so I sort of did I put a bit of money into it and then I started clicking on the people that were engaging with the content and they either had just one profile picture and no information about themselves no other pictures or they had no profile picture and just like a short bit of bio you know what I mean it, it seemed a little bit suspicious was- yeah, I see those things pop up all the time. I get like friend requests from those type of people where like it seems like they just joined Facebook that morning because <laughs> you see all their pictures were just like uploaded like an hour ago. Yeah. And it's just I think Facebook does make these fake accounts just to try to get like people out there cuz if they if you also look at someone's friends, like if like if I see an account and all my friends are part of it, I'm like, "Oh, I must know this person." But if that person has no friends, you're like, oh, it's a fake one. So I think they've been making fake accounts and they're just having them try to join in as, as many random people just to seem more real. It's um, do, do you use like Twitter and, and stuff like that to, to promote your uh, work? I don't use Twitter. I, uh, I kind of like a hate relationship with Twitter. Mm. I just like Facebook does it. So and I, I think Twitter is just very egotistical. So I try to stay away from it. Yeah, I, I don't really get Twitter. I, uh, I've got it, but I haven't used it in so long. I, um, but it's funny what you said about Facebook. It, it almost feels like it's a bit beggy as well. They're a bit beggy at the minute. I don't know whether it's the same in the States, but every day I'm getting notifications from Facebook saying, oh, friend suggestion, you might know so-and-so. And it's just like all the time just coming up. And it just always it just wants you to get back on the app and start scrolling through the feed and seeing adverts and stuff. It's a bit beggy. And you know you go back sort of five years maybe even a bit longer facebook was the thing and people were on it all the time and now it's probably instagram mainly what about snapchat is that something that you sort of you're interested I in i do snapchat just because i think it's a great way to like people tell more stories on snapchat so you kind of mm. keep connected with your friends like i have friends from all around the country and some people in like colombia and singapore so like one of my friends just had a kid, so like he posts a lot of snaps of like him playing with this kid. So mm. that's how I can stay connected with him. Um, and you just see some interesting things. Like I got on Snapchat when I was in the Marines, just because you know I could send people like, "Hey guys, this is what I'm doing today. I'm flying in a helicopter over the ocean," mm. type stuff. Yeah, and it's just stuff you would never see before. Yeah, totally. Like, again, I had Snapchat for a little while, but then I sort of deleted it. I was one of those people who moved to instagram stories when they, uh, they release stories and snapchat chat themselves and didn't know what didn't know what to do and stuff so you've been you've been doing a lot of sort of uh documentaries and stuff are you planning to put them out on youtube and stuff like that uh not youtube vimeo so after it gets on film festivals that's when i can start probably making it a little bit more open because mm-hmm. a lot of film festivals don't want they want to be the places that premieres your film so they find out that oh it's it's been streaming online they won't take it mm. so i'm kind of holding off until like they get into some several like some major film festivals and then i'm like after a while I'm like hey guys it's been the film festivals here you guys go and anyone can watch it is that how the the system works then so if you're an up-and-coming uh director or, or you're shooting a movie and you know you eventually the goal is to get it on the big screen do you take it to film festivals and then someone picks it up and sees it and then they want to make a feature film is that how the is that how the system works uh kind of yeah so that's basically how you can get someone to buy it to distribute 
is someone, if I made a feature film, I would send it to uh, film festivals and there's distributors all around me. Like Netflix, uh, Netflix goes to all the big distributor like uh, film festivals and they can see something like, oh, we really like your film. Like I'll buy it and it'll pop up as a, you know, a Netflix original, but they don't pay as much. Like I know someone put, they made a, you know, a short, like a, I want to say it's like a 10 minute documentary or like seven to 10 minutes. And they basically only got $700 for it. And it cost them like almost a hundred grand. Yeah. But that's like how, like that's, they were offered, they offered her 500 first. And then they were like, she bumped up. She's like, Oh, I got to pay. I need a little bit more. And that's usually how much you get for these little things. You don't get much, but straight stepping stones. Like, Mm. Film festivals are great, so that way people like, like, oh, there's another, like, you know, my roommate, he's about to finish his thesis, and it's going to be his, like, this one's definitely going to film festivals. It's going to be his, like, fourth time going to certain film festivals. And so once you, people recognize you, that's when someone's like, hey, I've been watching your work. I want to, like, hire you to do, you know. We like to joke he's going to be making Ant-Man 5, Ant-Man vs. Predator nice. one day. That's awesome. And, yeah. Why not? So we... Yeah, like I, uh, but we kind of. That's usually how it is. If you look at someone's IMDb, a lot of times they they do these like short uh, short films, and all of a sudden they're doing like Pacific Rim, all these like big blockbuster movies, and you're just like, how is this person who's never like worked on these big films all of a sudden being thrown into it? Yeah, and it's film festivals. That's a sort of absolutely, and I guess again it goes back to sort of being in that environment and, and networking with people and people you want to eventually work with and you know drop my business card you know stay in contact and yeah I, it reminds me of the uh i think it was released in the u.s as well you know the michael jackson documentary that went out yes that, i started watching a little bit mm, well, I that, it, that but... came from a film festival so i think I've, I've heard it come from a film festival so whether it was made into a, a short film and then it was picked up by someone and then they decided to pump more money into it and give it a bigger you know give it some a, a decent platform to be on but yeah that was controversial wasn't it i mean did, did you guys in the u.s get the same impression as we got in the uk it was kind of like mixed bag of, of opinions and everyone was like ooh and an it's it was weird because we all knew it was happening for mm. years everyone knew and so now went right right after it happened people started you know boycotting his music and saying like oh we can't be fans of it anymore but a lot of people i know snl brought it up a good point where it's just like you can't now hate his music when you've known for years that mm. he's been doing this like you it feels like more that you're just kind of hopping on the bandwagon of hate mm-hmm. like you either like will always hate his music or you're just doing it now just because that's the popular thing to do. Because I haven't actually formed an opinion around the whole thing. I've seen it and I'm quite open-minded. I'm, I'm not sure whether he did or he didn't. But I do know that if a Michael Jackson song came on, I would probably still enjoy it. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, I'm um, kind of the same way. Like, his music's great, but, like, you know, I am i don't probably won't pay for the music anymore. No, like, no. Yeah. Like, I used to, like, you know, if I like an artist, I'll probably pay for it except just, like, you know, illegally downloading and stuff. Mm. But if I want a Michael Jackson song now, I'll probably just illegal download it <laughs> so the money doesn't go back to him. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But the the same uh, scenario for R. Kelly, I guess, who, yeah, yeah that, that so that was aired in the U.S. as well, was it, the whole R. Kelly yeah, documentary? Yeah, like, the whole thing. It's, like, now R. Kelly and all these things have been popping up. So people are, like, boycotting his stuff. I've never liked R. Kelly, so no. I, I won't, I still 
won't listen to his music <laughs> either way. <laughs> but, you know, people, I know so many people, like everyone knew he was doing this for a while. Mm. Like he was, you know, kind of a joke even before then about like the stuff he used to do with girls. And yeah, yeah. all of a sudden just needs a documentary for everyone to kind of, you know, be popular to hate on a musician. It's kind of ridiculous in my I, opinion. I did like the uh, the first song he brought out, Ignition, because I was around about that time where I think I was still in school. I, I think I remember where I was when I first heard it. I was on the bus, but yeah, now you sort of look at him and you see him in that interview that he did with, uh, is it Gail or someone? Uh, I know I, the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and he just flips out and he goes mad. I seen a... Um, you know when you're on YouTube and you just watch one video and then the next video comes up and it's related, but it's it's it's, it's weird. <laughs> I uh, I stuck around and I was just watching what the next related video was and it was a psychologist who was analysing R. Kelly's behaviour whilst he was talking to this uh, presenter. And she was basically saying that he was outright lying because every time she would ask him if he did it, he would say no, but he would, he would nod his head. He would nod mm. his head. And... Um, when she asked him a question he said yes and then he shook his head sort of thing um i, I just find it interesting but he, he was saying that you know social media played a massive part in it and uh it basically ruined his life yeah we <laughs> so. call that the uh youtube black hole it's when mm. you watch one video and then it starts like leads you down this like dark tunnel oh god yeah it's like 3 a.m and you're just like how did we get here yeah, you end up watching like a, a really fascinating documentary. Then before you know it, you look up and you're watching a cat lick its balls. And you're yeah. just like, what? Uh, we, that happened in the Marines so many times. We'll be like just looking up like how to like edit something, like how to do like a certain technique of editing. And next thing you know, it's like 3M and we're just like watching like someone like pulling a bug out of someone's ear. And we're just like, wait, we were working and we ended up here. How did this happen? Did you hear about the... Uh that Momo that was going around. I don't know whether it, you heard about it in the US. Oh yeah, it was pretty big in the US. Was it? it? But I, I, I've never saw it though. No, like, I didn't see it. I heard about it quite a lot, but yeah. I didn't know whether, it was It was meant to be a um, like a, a developer who just wanted a, a, shitload, a shitload of attention, wasn't it or something? Wasn't it a hoax or something some people were saying or? I'm not sure. I didn't really hear much. It was kind of a hoax. It was jumping on uh, stuff that's been happening actually for a little while with YouTube. Is um, they basically have like a kids section mm. for like you know like my my friend does it with his kids. He'll put like you know, grabs the phone, puts on some YouTube like kids video for him. But YouTube is not that great at like they don't watch like, the whole thing. So halfway through, you can look like a kid's video by using bright colors and YouTube, like, yeah, that's a kid video, throws it in. And then halfway through, it takes a dark turn. Mm. And like, it was just like, and that was what was going on was halfway through these videos where someone would pop up and tell them like, hey, slit your wrist by doing this. Or mm. like, like, it would be like saying some really vulgar things. And I know my friend, like he saw like that stuff happening, but he never saw the Momo thing. Like they were saying like Momo would pop up and tell you like all this dark stuff, but mm. that never happened. But That's super it, weird. Yeah. It's super strange. I mean, quite frightening for the parents as well. You know, when you just leave them there uh, on on their phone and they're just, you know, you don't know what they're watching and stuff. I was watching this really interesting documentary about sort of putting an age restriction on on social media. And they were talking about it because they were basically saying that everything else that releases endorphins in the body has an age restriction so gambling drinking smoking and the, there is no sort of restrictions in place for 
YouTube, I think YouTube has an age limit of like 13 or something. You need to be 13 to be on it. But they're basically saying that, you know, when you're posting things on Instagram, for example, and someone likes a post and it releases this endorphin within you, uh, that is the same sort of endorphin that you get from gambling or drinking or smoking, but yet there's no sort of age restrictions on it. Uh, really, really strange. But I don't know whether that's something that's going to change. Is is like that sort of stuff brought up a lot in the US, or is it is it fairly slack, or is it the same? It's been it's been slack. I know people have talked about that. I've seen people talking about you know, it's usually a lot more about parents' choices. Like mm. they want the parents to choose, but some parents are just like really just don't really care. And I kind of agree. Like there should be an age restriction just because you know kids are just so hooked on their phones now that they have like such like it's changing brain chemistry like or short they have such uh short-term attention spans that mm. they can't focus on anything and i see it all the time on film sets where people just can't have the phones like like when we're filming we like hey turn phones off and you just see people like still trying to like text and just like no we're trying to work here like get rid of your phone it's it's crazy, isn't it? But that's, I suppose that's where the world world's going. It's it's going in that direction, and it's only going to get. Well, I don't want to say worse because I don't know whether it it is bad, but at the same time, it's it's kind of like it's it's evolution, isn't it? I guess it's not like cavemen when they saw fire, they were, they were scared and they put it out and never started a fire again. It's it's. I think it's the same with technology and social. It's kind of like people know that it's it's not going anywhere, and it's something that can evolve and evolve and evolve and you know it's just something that's going to grow with us i think anyway it's very easy to get down rabbit holes when you're talking about that sort of stuff but uh so i was going to ask what what's next what what are you going to do next are you, are you planning on sticking around with the surf photography or are you actually considering going back into the military or uh i would never go back in the military i have thought about you know freelancing mm. like maybe you know if just doing whatever I can, like join a news agency and just freelance. But I've gone more into directing and, you know, uh, I'm going to finish my documentary. And then after that, I'm going to start working on a narrative film. I just don't know which story. I have like a whole book of stories I want to write. So I'm going to pick one out of that. And Awesome, man. Yeah. So what sort, of genre, what sort of genre are you looking at? Is it sort of crime, thriller, you know, comedy? I have just all genres like I, I don't like to pigeonhole in mm. certain one. the ones i don't really um i don't really do is horror okay I just, like i love horror films i just don't feel like usually horror goes that far in someone's career like mm. usually if someone does horror that's all they're ever going to do yeah and i think the only person i know right now that does like horror really well is uh is peel because he just did us and then i haven't seen it yet but and um which was the last one he did that i think i've heard of us. get out oh yeah okay yeah he, i've seen he that does horror really well where he like it, it, i think like the beginning the origin of horror was like alfred hitchcock and it was all about like commenting on society yeah, and yeah he's cool. doing that now but mm. it kind of took a different turn where now it's all jump scares in most horror films yeah, yeah. and i i don't like jump scares i think it's very um lazy very cheap. I think it's like, yeah, it's very lazy and cheap, and you just have now films that all just like horror films just jump hack jump scares. And it mm. doesn't like help the story. So if I ever did a horror movie, it would definitely be like something like what uh, something like what Peel's doing with like Get Out and Us, where it's mm. just 
you know, social commentary. Yeah, something that's got a real decent sort of narrative behind it and something where you can sort of get really involved in. It, it, yeah, I totally agree. The whole horror sort of films, it's it's kind of cliche and it's a bit like, you know, a, a young group of teenagers go into the woods, then one of them gets naked and takes a shower, then next thing, you know, they're all dead. <laughs> and it's kind of like, yeah, just to have that, like get out where it's kind of like it's kind of different but it's kind of twisted and spooky and it makes you think and it's kind of like oh it's is she is she or is he is he not gonna sort of thing that uncertainty that that when playing on that that really works that's awesome man that's really cool i think you should definitely stick at it carry on with your uh your surf photography as well because that's insane man literally some of the stuff is is crazy well do you ever use like a, a fisheye lens I do have a fisheye. I, I never use. I've used it once. I just didn't like the photos that came out uh, with the surfers. But I think it was just they were just really bad at surfing, so it just didn't look good. But it was just so wide, you really couldn't see what they were what they were doing. Mm. I'll probably practice it a little bit more this summer with the with the surf parks opening back up. Um, I'm looking though to get like a 400 millimeter lens to start shooting like farther away but like more compressed images ah, of what these okay. people are doing so do these guys not mind you sort of being in the water around them taking photographs of them or are they are they pretty cool about it oh they love it because most surfers never will never get a photo of mm. them like surfing so people as soon as they see someone like me in the water they come talk to me it's like how can i get these photos like I'll ah, yeah that's, i think that's... it's funny too is just they will pay like they I do like originally my prices were really low, and then people were like, "You're like they were they were like your prices are too low. We're giving you more money," and they like they raised my prices up just because they never get these images. That's and, totally true, actually. I mean, that, that's a really good business model because the, who, who's going to be carrying unless you've got a GoPro? Who's going to be carrying a, a camera around with them when they're when they're surfing, especially if they're on their own? You know, they want to surf on their own and. You know, it, it is sort of like very photograph heavy. Everyone wants, everyone wants to photograph these days. And what looks better than, you know, surfing on a on an awesome wave with the, the sunlight in the background and you've got the curl of the wave and stuff. It looks awesome. It really does. But um, yeah, well, thanks so much for talking to me, Matt. It, I, I, could, I could speak to you all night. I genuinely could. But um, it, it's been great. Thanks very much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. We'll, we'll have to do this again if you're keen. Yeah, I'm keen. Uh, thank you for having me. Mm, that's it's, cool, man. Awesome. Well, great. Have a decent afternoon. Is that right? Is it? Yeah, it's, it's now the afternoon. I think awesome. it's about to be evening for you. <laughs> yeah, it is. No doubt it's going to be evening. Uh, I've got Monday blues already because everyone's back to work tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, I'm on spring break. Uh, oh, spring, on spring break. break this past week, so I go back to school tomorrow. I'm just like, I don't want to go back. Oh, spring break. I've heard so much about it. I need to be in the States when spring... Does spring break only happen... It Does it happen in different states at different times, or is it all at the same time? It happens different times. Actually, this it was a controversy this year for the University of Texas. So we have South by Southwest. Ah, okay. But Austin around... Uh, it was like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, and I remember seeing. UT's spring break is always aligned with it except for this year where UT decided we're going to do a different time and no one like people couldn't get to class because the roads are so backed up uh, and like people were kind of complaining because a lot of the students like work for do like internships during South by and they couldn't do it this year uh. and UT kind of blamed South by for saying they changed their schedule and South by is like no we've been planning this thing for years ahead you can't just <laughs> change your schedule and just blame other people for it. <laughs> 
Oh my god, that's savage. I, I guess it's a real money maker, and it draws a lot of people in as well, doesn't it? That sort of thing. Yeah, especially if you can like you know hire a bunch of interns like and don't have to really pay them. Like, oh yeah, totally. Save so much money. Yeah, man, absolutely. I would love to go to a South by South, Southwest event. There was a couple of guys uh, who I was speaking to from agencies in the UK who headed over. But yeah, that's definitely on the on the to do list, on the on the bucket list. But yeah, man, I'd, I'd definitely love to do something like this again. And we definitely keep in touch on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. And um, yeah, mate, awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Much appreciated. Right. Thank you for having me.